You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. His new documentary, The Garden, our guest today, producer-director Scott Hamilton Kennedy, focuses on the newsmaking 14-acre community garden at 41st and Alameda in south-central Los Angeles, the largest of its kind in the United States. The Garden is nominated for a 2009 or 2008 Academy Award for Best Documentary and was the winner of the Sterling Award for U.S. Feature at Silver Docs, the documentary film fest held by the American Film Institute and Discovery Channel. Scott Hamilton Kennedy, welcome to Film School. Oh, thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I first just want to say thank you for that piece of music that you use as the intro. It's one of my favorite pieces. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about the music. I, I, I like it, too. Well, uh, who was uh, involved in that? I, that? Go ahead. Yeah, that was a wonderful collaboration between uh, a, a one amazing young musician, uh, Gabriel Tenorio, and his band, Domingo Sete, uh-huh. and uh, Doug DeAngelis, who I worked with on my previous documentary. And they'd, they'd never worked together, and I loved them both and loved different elements of what they brought to it. And they dove in there and collaborated and wrote songs individually and uh, that piece is is uh, Gabrielle's and I find it just just haunting and beautiful I'm so proud of the work they did yeah right through at the beginning of the film and then like I think we're hearing the uh, tail end of the film there That's not right. not the not the credits but the tail end yeah, yeah it just really added a, a nice element when you're uh, flying over Los Angeles looking at what's left of the garden. That's right. Yes. So tell us, how did you get involved uh, right off the bat with uh, South Central Los Angeles Farmers? What what brought you into this picture? Sure. I uh, am embarrassed to say that at the time in 2004, I, I'd been in Los Angeles already for, gosh, almost uh, 10 years at that, at that point, and I, I had not heard of this amazing community garden. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I, can't, I can't believe it, but uh, a good friend of mine and co-producer, Dominic Derringer, saw a piece on the wonderful PBS show Life and Times portraying the situation at the South Central Farm. Mm-hmm. And we'd been looking to do a project together, and he said, I, I think we have something here. And he was absolutely right. I mean, it was the largest community garden in the country, born out of, uh, as a form of healing from the L.A. riots, uh, a great example of, lo- of politics and a, a community coming together to, to heal a community. I mean, it's everything we want in America. And then after becoming an amazing success after 12 years, uh, the same local government seemed to uh, make a backroom deal selling the property without talking to the farmers about it to a developer for a third or quarter value of the property. And yes. the most interesting thing was the farmers said, you know, this doesn't sound right. We want to try and get some answers, and we're not leaving until we do get some answers. So we had a, a fight on our hands. Now, is is that when you began filming, or were you filming before the uh, the council decision or the council sale? I started filming uh, approximately February eighteenth, two thousand four. So they'd already gotten their eviction oh. notice, and they were weeks wow. away from the threat of their first um, first threat of of eviction and demolition in uh, which was February twenty ninth, two thousand four. Now, and they ended up winning a, a court injunction there and uh, staying yeah. on the property much longer. When did you? What did you shoot at first? When you took your cameras down, did you uh, did you just go straight into the garden, or were you shooting uh, some of the 
some of the council issues? That's a good question. My the first thing I rolled on was uh, was probably an interview. I mean, some some B-roll. I hate the term, but some uh, visual footage of the of the farm. Uh, to, you know, to get my bearings and kind of yeah. be introduced to it. And a inter- long interview with Rufina Juarez, one of the main characters in the film, and uh, walking around the garden with her, meeting some other farmers, and then a, and then a long sit down interview. Just getting the lay of the land and who the players were, we just dove right in. It wasn't a, it wasn't like I got to do a lot of research on the garden and then go and do this interview. I you know I I I'd done a little bit of research and we had to dive in because we didn't know if the go- the farm was going to be gone in two weeks. Right, right. And it's quite uh, I I think people the scale of the the size of this farm I I, I don't know that uh, you, you you do a good job when you're we're flying over the uh, the garden, but fourteen acres is a fair bit of property and. Obviously, it was divided into plots, and that, uh, and I don't know how it was the the decisions were made to who got what. But mm-hmm. how did the collective come together? Was it was it a few people, and then it it, it grew from there? Or how, how did do you do you have, give us a little background on the evolution of the garden? Yes, the garden was started as an idea by a wonderful woman named Doris Block, who was working across the street at the LA Regional Food Bank. And after the riots, you know, there was many different people working uh, across the community. I mean, I don't know if everybody, if all of us remember that, you know, South Central L.A. was really looked like a war zone. I mean, mm-hmm. burned out buildings in many, many neighborhoods, and obviously the uh, morale of the, of the area was, was really beaten as, beaten as well. And she was one of the people that had an idea to, of, of how to heal. She saw this empty lot and said, you know, why don't we turn it into a community garden? And the city said, city said yes. And this is a great example of, again, of community and city coming together, but also the community doing it mostly on their, on their own, which is the good and the bad, getting into like how the, the, the plots are run and things like that. But it wasn't like the city came in and said, here's $10 million, and we're going to bring in farming and gardening experts. It was like, no, here's the property. You, they had to go in and clean up the soil and, and pull out cement and then bring in good soil and fertilizer. <clears throat> so it took years just to make it even available to grow plants. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then in terms of how it was decided, there were rules about uh, what level, um, uh, the uh, financial level you had to be at to, uh, to, to be able to get a plot on the what, property. What, what, uh, what, I'm just be, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the, so it was at a collective, there was a collective of people that sort of came around, that came to... Uh, the, Together the, around the, Doris Block. I exactly. Okay, okay, that's what I was just kind of... Exactly, determined. Okay. exactly. And it was, it was a little bit of the, of, the, of the Wild West that way, where Doris had the idea, and there was some supervision from the, the LA Regional Food Bank, but a lot of it was the farmers doing it on their own, and that's a wonderful and sometimes sloppy thing. You know, I don't yeah. normally quote... Donald Rumsfeld, but you know, <laughs> democracy is democracy is messy. Wasn't that his wonderful quote? Yeah, um, <laughs> oh. and and that you know that's an example of it here, where it's in again, it just because it's messy or imperfect doesn't mean that it's not right or not yeah. worth following through yeah. on. And that was the situation here. Yeah. Now You're, you said that uh, some of the first footage you shot was an uh, interview with uh, Rafina Juarez. That's correct. Um, and she's in this through the whole struggle. Uh, how much did you see her change uh, uh, after all this went on? Did, did, she, what, did this really affect her, or is her spirit still intact? Uh, that's, a tough, that's a good question. Um, I, obviously, I can't speak completely for, for Rufina, and, uh, um, but uh, it, it absolutely wore on her. Mm-hmm. And it was a combination of, of wearing on her, but also building up her resilience and her her, you know, uh, skills as a as a leader, and she's, you know, she struggled with that. She struggled with those skills, and 
with power and people, you know, getting frustrated about some of the rules that she needed to implement to make sure that the garden was uh, was was seen uh, was was seen by all as being a fair and safe place, and um, and also it was just trying to you know jump through all the hoops that they jumped through, and in the end it didn't you know they still didn't save the garden. You know I saw how many hoops that they jumped through, and they kept doing it, and somehow it kept slipping away. Yeah. So uh, yes, it's absolutely trying. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't be a leader like that. I couldn't be a politician. I mean, I'm frustrated with some of the politicians in the film, and at the same time, it's it's very, it's a very, very difficult job. And uh, excuse if this is a tangent, but you know, one of the joys that I've had in watching Mr. Obama come into his new position is is him speaking to us like an adult. Yes, and saying that it's it's yes. difficult. It's going to be imperfect. I'm going to make mistakes, and hopefully, we're going to be there. With him, you know, it's not like elect him and he's going to be a magician. It's elect him and and let's work together to make sure that he holds the line and that we carry some water too. Yeah, exactly. I think you're. I I couldn't agree more. That I think that's a a, a very strong, a compelling thing about him is that is that he in fact will talk to us as if we're not children. Yeah. And uh, well, I. Uh, On and, the other hand, Obama. <laughs> Oh, Obama. <laughs> we're, okay, okay, we're in the tank. Okay, okay we're in right. the tank for all Obama. Right. Right. So, um, so now um, uh, there are other sort of compelling interests that enter into this story. Uh, by the way, we're speaking with Scott Hamilton Kennedy. The film is The Garden, uh, nominated for an Academy Award. Congratulations on that. Uh, but we have some other competing interests coming <laughs> into uh, into the picture. Here, you you introduce us to uh, the Juanita well, Tate's yeah, organization. Well, Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say Jan Perry. And, and Jan then, Perry, and then, yeah. Then what, I think we need, yeah, we need to introduce the, those two into into the mix here of what the uh, what happened at the garden. Sure. Oh, I thought you were going to have them on the phone. I was like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, yeah. this is one of them ambush uh, interviews. Nice. Yeah. Let's no, go. no, no. In, in Juanita's case, that would be a <laughs> that would that would be a yeah. seance. It wouldn't be an interview. So. <laughs> that, I would be very impressed. Yeah, that <laughs> that's off. right. Uh, yes. Um, the God, the ironies of the story are so deep. It was one of the most complicated parts of of telling this story was making it clear, digestible, and, and God forbid, entertaining. Uh, Juanita Tate, to go back quickly, in yes. 1986, the city purchased this property in eminent domain from Ralph Horowitz and some other business entities to build a trash incinerator on that site. Juanita Tate uh, didn't even have an organization yet. She was a, a young activist, community organizer, and she f- got people together to fight and stop that trash incinerator. And that's an incredible victory. Good for her. Amazing, amazing victory. Incredible, incredible community victory. Um, Sadly, the there wasn't. I don't know if there wasn't a perfect plan in place, but that land then lay dormant up until the riots, and that catches up to the the story that we've already told. That from '92 on, it became a community garden. Now, Juanita Tate became as part of her the organization she founded the community. Goodness it, gracious. It was a concerned citizen. Oh, concerned citizens, citizens yeah. of, of South, South Central Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, thank you. She um, also became a developer, which can be a, a fine thing because she was, you know, wanted to put in, um, in, in affordable housing and things like that in the community, and some of that was a success. She also had a close uh, relationship with Jan Perry and helped get Jan Perry elected, which she tells us in the film, and, and obviously a close uh, affinity for this property that she saved. At, through the course of the film, we find out that she was very much involved with Jan Perry in negotiating with the city and Ralph Horowitz about where the next step of this property was going to go. Mm-hmm. The, again, the biggest failing is, why wasn't it just up front? 
Yeah. Right. Then, the, then, then the failings get worse. You know, as somebody says that, as Tezza Somek says in the, not in the film, but in another interview, that the city made mistakes, and instead of correcting the mistakes, they made more mistakes. Yeah. yeah. You know, and um, so I, I mean, to get into all of it that that, that went down between soccer fields and all that, you might have to see the film. It's, yeah, it's I think that's I think that's a, an interesting. It it certainly gives color and texture to uh, and context Juanita to Juanita <laughs> and just the in, well on the whole the the political atmosphere and. There's a very interesting uh, part of the film that uh, in which there's a meeting of the the interested parties and there's a lot of anger and back and forth and uh, well I, I was going to ask there is one scene where a very contentious interview with Juanita Tate yes were, were you shooting that footage uh, I was doing the interview oh my goodness it's funny because I normally shoot you know I'm shooting ninety percent of the film myself and doing interviews normally and that day. Uh, I actually asked this, uh, a wonderful assistant editor, editor Matt, to come down with me to uh, to, to shoot that day because I didn't have somebody else to shoot it, and I really wanted to focus on the questions. And you know, he's gone, he's done some shooting, but he's not like a you know, that's like not his profession. But he said, sure, he came down, and little did he know what yeah. interview he was about to <laughs> yeah. he was about to shoot when she walked out yeah. of the interview. He he stayed with her, he panned with her as she moved well, to the door. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think he was definitely in a little bit of shock as we as we both were. But well, yeah. were you? I was going to say, were you surprised, uh, given what had been going on, and and you know, were you? Well, it's a combination of surprise. I'm, I mean, I'm grateful, and you'll see, you'll see in the special thanks in the film. I mean, I thank Juanita Tate. I thank yeah. Juanita Tate's son, Mark Williams, and Jan Perry for talking to me. You know, I mean, I respect the fact that they at least took the time to talk to me, and that makes the story that much more um, compelling. I, I, I'm surprised in some ways that they ended up talking to me because there seemed to be some stickiness in some of the things that they were telling me, yeah. but I'm, I'm grateful that they did. I definitely have never had somebody walk out on an interview yeah. and come back. That's the beautiful thing. She came <laughs> back and, you know, went on. But uh, she was a very, she was a very, very passionate, passionate woman and, you know, imperfect in her, in her, in her follow-through. And I, I mean, I think, I hope that the film it's fair. portrays how hard it is to hold that line and yeah. doesn't I don't want to I don't want to vilify anybody. No, it's a you fair know? it's a fair portrayal. It, I think you you did a nice job with that. Well, I appreciate that. And it's yeah. complicated. It's really hard to yeah. hold that line. I don't know if I could do it. You yeah. know, I, I have people around me. You know, my wife and and friends and family that help us to try and hold that line. And <clears throat> again, going back to Mr. Obama, I hope we help will help him hold that line. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, and then uh, and there are there there's the. There's Ralph Horowitz. So you, 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 even with Ralph Horowitz, uh, you know he said some fairly uh, ugly things. But I think you also give him a fair, a fair hearing in in uh, in this film as well. Uh, he could easily have come off as sort of a cartoon villain in this, and I think that uh, the fact is he has an interest. And now where where it gets a little murky is how the city, how what the deal it was done with the city, and despite uh, the the lack of transparency, it it still managed to 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 happen. Despite the pressure, not only from the from Dan Stormer and his law firm, mm-hmm. but just from the general public and the reaction, and you know all the things that were going on, uh, it, it 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 still feels as if uh, there's something we still don't. Is there anything we still don't know sure. about this? Okay, that I want to make sure I'm saying that correctly. Sure, no, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I don't, and I can't answer all those questions. And it's, I mean, I think it's one of the things that might be. Some people could walk away as being a little bit frustrated or confused, and in the end, it is frustrating, confusing. You know, I mean, that's you know, again, politics aren't aren't perfect. You can't have all the answers here. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, 
And uh, But at the end of the day, there were definitely, some of those answers should have been answered through the course of this, of this struggle, and they weren't. And, you know, why was this a backroom deal? Man, there's so many whys. Why was it a backroom deal? Why was it sold for this amount of money? Why, weren't, why wasn't everybody brought to the table and said, what, how can we figure out how to, to, to make this work for everyone? Why didn't Mr. Horowitz offer to sell it to them for $16.2 million? They raised the money, and then he reneged, now, you know? Now, he said that this was a, a when uh, that sale was turned down by him. You have, uh, I think it's just a, an audio yeah, radio, of him radio. saying that he's uh, turning it down because uh, of racism. Well, uh, he doesn't say no, no. exactly no, that no. in the well, in the quote, but he he sort of refers to the fact that he wouldn't he doesn't like these people and uh-huh. their and their politics. And yes, he wouldn't sell it to him for a hundred million. That was it. That was the line. He wouldn't sell it to him for a yeah oh, yeah. But but I had the feeling within that that he was saying people were saying things about him sure that were that were uh, racial in uh, <clears throat> and hurtful. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And we can speak we can speak on that. And I I I kept it. I kept it as uh, murky as it was for me during the course of the, <clears throat> excuse me, of the film was the fact that uh, he, uh, an outside website said something about Mr. Horowitz being uh, part of uh, of Jewish business or Jewish business mafia or something to that yeah, to that effect. But it wasn't the farmer's website. It was completely. I mean, it's like somebody coming onto my website and saying, you know, yeah, yeah. something like that. So, and at the same time, after the fact, and it was too much later for me to want to include in the film, it would have been kind of clunky, the, the Jewish Journal of Los Angeles did an investigation into the entire situation and found that there was absolutely no anti-Semitism coming yeah. from these farmers. Well, because uh, Nathan and I t- t- talked about this off, off mic at one point, and it, the sense is that if there had been more overtures, more gratitude maybe to Horowitz, from the farmers, from the farmers' collective, that that may have whether it was m- deserved or not. Yeah, yeah. Would, would would that have mitigated some of this? Oh, God, I really, I really don't know. Why wouldn't yeah. he take? Yeah, Mr. Horowitz is a businessman. Yeah. He's got pretty top skin, yeah. and I, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't, yeah. I can't answer okay. for, I can't answer for him. The bottom line is there was not enough. That to make me believe that's the reason he didn't take the sale. Okay, yeah. you know I think there was influence from Jan Perry. I think there were a lot of different things, but I don't have those. Like, do, I mean, do, we hear from the city that Jan Perry didn't want that to happen. Yeah. You know, we hear from Larry Frank and in, in Viragos's office that, that Jan Perry didn't want this sale to happen. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, I also see interviews with Tezo on the TV news saying I will put up a statue of Mr. Horowitz yeah. if this deal goes through. So. You know, I don't. That's not an insult. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's 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 complicated. I don't know why it didn't happen. Well, let me remind our listeners: we're speaking with Scott Hamilton Kennedy. The film is the Garden Academy nominated film, uh, this year's documentary category. Now, um, did, is there any? And I, I'm not trying to pull you into some kind of uh, divisive uh, discussion here, but is this a black-brown thing? Is there is was that a tension that you in, in encountered uh, during the? Uh, during the making of this film, did you see? Because th- there's a lot of politics uh, in yeah. uh, in the Los Angeles going on across these sort of uh, racial divides and at, at proximity. And uh, for most people who live outside that area, to find out that the garden, when I first heard about the garden, I assumed that it was run predominantly by with African Americans involvement. Mm-hmm. And when I found out, when I saw that it was predominantly Hispanic, mm-hmm. it was a kind of a cultural, sort of jarring cultural moment for me. I didn't expect that. And and I don't know if this plays in any way you feel plays into the politics of what was going on there. Well, race 
you know, there's so many things that are an issue, are, but are they the core issue, right? Uh, yeah. First of all, that, that community change from being approximately 17% black and 20% Latino to exactly the opposite of that during the course of not just Juanita Tate coming into power, but also Jan Perry. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so the, the demographics shifted, and yet the people in power didn't necessarily shift with those demographics. Right. That's a much longer discussion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and sure, there are race issues here. There are power issues here. There are, uh, there are uh, civil rights issues here. Um, but but it's it's not a, it's you can't just define it as only that right, right. you know is again forgiving me going to Mr Obama one more time <laughs> in his in his inauguration speech he said it's not about big government or small government it's about does government work right. and I hope that's what's that's what's going on here there are black people uh, Asian people white people people of uh, Native American Jewish people that supported the farmers. And um, and yet there may find some people on the other side that wanted something else to happen with that land. The bottom line is it is everything transparent and on the up and up. Right. And right. and maybe I'm wearing rose-colored glasses, but who knows? In a few years from now, could we possibly look back on this film and go, "Oh, that's the way politics used to to be done." Yeah. Yeah. Of no. Course, uh, it's a yeah. dream, but maybe, no. maybe, maybe it's a little more transparent. No, I, Everybody's I, I, welcome at the table. It's it, democracy for all is not a pipe dream. It's actually something we really fight yeah, for. And, right? and just and just to sort of put a, a, my context, impose my, my context on this. I was doing a lot of work on uh, on the um, reform of three strikes back a few years ago, mm. and took me into South Central, uh, working with a group that was was out of that area. And also with Latino groups, and and there was definitely there was there was just sort of a lot of political competition going on yep. at that time. Uh, and you're right, this sort of the demographic shift, but there's still this sort of uh, desire to hold on to political power that uh, that uh, is slipping away. And um, I just that's where I was coming from when I asked you that. Now, the, the civil rights lawyer, uh, Dan Stormer, yes. uh, how, how did they get in, in touch with him? I know, did he just present himself? Did he offer to do this, or mm. did, did they uh, go to him? No, a couple of the uh, people that were supporting the uh, the farmers knew of his work and worked with him prior, and they set up they set up the meeting, yeah. and that's what's depicted in the film. is like the first time they went there, and, you know, they had to... To, to pitch him, you know, they yeah. had to sell their <clears throat> they had to sell their idea, and he took it on pro bono. And uh, yeah, he did an amazing job, as far as yeah. I could tell. I mean, he did everything he he needed to do to represent them, and he and they just got in uh, a very short period of time uh, too. He's 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 an exceptional he's an exceptional man and an exceptional lawyer. It's nice to see um, you know good lawyers out there. I come from a family of two lawyers, and it's an easy one to. Uh, to slam and make fun jokes and well worth the, the joke <laughs> of lawyers, but it's good to see there's good people out there doing good, gar- yeah, good hard work. Absolutely. And you have a whole stream of appearances in this one by Zach De La Roca, uh, Danny Glover, John Quigley, Maxine Waters, Willie Nelson, Joan Baez. Doing a little dancing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dennis Kucinich, Daryl Hannah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, and we're, I know we're running short on time, but I have to compliment you uh, because for a lot of people in the media, sort of the sensationalized uh, part of the media coverage of this was Daryl Hannah in a tree. And I'm mm. glad that in the film, we really don't even know that that happened. We see Daryl Hannah <laughs> a- at the garden. I we know that that's now. I, I'm glad we saw Daryl Hannah because <laughs> we under. I, that's what people. Some people will remember about this. Yeah. Uh, epi- this uh, what was going on. Sure. And uh, and I'm glad that it it could have easily in the wrong hands turned into <coughs> Daryl Hannah in a tree movie. And uh, I'm glad that you that you didn't succumb to that so well, really, temptation. I appreciate I really appreciate you saying that. And it was it was complicated it was complicated doing that. A the celebrities 
you know, are can be a camera vacuum. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. we are we are drawn to them, and and that's what they're and that's what they're there for. But I and I just want to try and keep in perspective that that is they are there to try and promote this story. They are not. They are not there to be the story, yeah. Oh, yeah, right? Okay. And and Julia Butterfly Hill was was sadly ended up not being in the film because it just felt forced, and she was a huge force for bringing attention to yeah. this garden yeah. and yeah. bringing lots and lots of people to this garden. And she will be included in uh, TVD extras and, and web extras, things like that. And she's just an amazing, amazing person. Yeah. But it's again, the story was about the farmer's struggle. And these other people that got involved were an element to that story, but the main story well, well, was absolutely. the struggle over the land. Absolutely. And well, well, Scott Hamilton Kennedy, we're running very short on time. I just got to say one last thing: sure. How much fun is it being nominated for an Academy Award? What is going on in your life right now? Are you off to a luncheon today? Is that it, the... that was yesterday? Oh, that was yesterday. Absolutely surreal and and amazing and fantastic. And I I keep having to pinch myself. Is this is this real? Is this a dream <laughs> I'm having? We really recording this interview right now? It's, uh, it's just. Tremendous! The yesterday's luncheon. I mean, to take a class photo with you know Sean Penn, Marisa Tomei, David Fincher, mm. you know, on and on and yeah, on yeah. is uh, you know, and me. <laughs> you know, like, Who's that guy? Get him out of there! Uh, it's it's amazing honor. It's an honor to be. I, I haven't gotten the exact number, but to be one of the first L.A. stories to be nominated for feature doc in I don't know how many years, and, mm. and it's, I, I hope we're portraying. Obviously, a universal story, but betraying another side of L.A. that you know people can see beyond some of the cliches about Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So. It's a terrific film, and I want to thank you so much for being here on Film School. The film is The Garden. The filmmaker is Scott Hamilton Kennedy. Thank you. Thank you very much. To learn more about Film School listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.